This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Joy 94.9 podcast. Joy 94.9, totally bent. And a big thank you to Deep Purple, Jane. That was good, wasn't it? In Black Knight. Yeah, very, very soft and fluffy. What was that? Dad's barbecue songs again? Probably, yes. There's a few good tracks on that. I think there's a Susie Quattro one on there. And uh, Oh, it is Dad's barbecue tracks. Mm, I think our guest uh, later on likes Susie Quattro, so mm. <laughs> maybe. Life from a transgender perspective and with Jane and Lauren for the next 55 minutes and... On the show tonight, we mostly have Scott Davis and Gabby from the GLOW program to talk to us about trans issues and things what affect us in our daily lives. Is that right, Jane? That's very correct. Speaking about daily lives, how was your weekend, dear? My weekend was basically very quiet, but I had a very busy day today. Did the Joy OB up at RMIT for Youth Week. What's an OB, dear? Outside broadcast. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. We're not all radio heads here. What happened? What did I miss? Obviously I missed it. <laughs> what else did I miss? Well, if you weren't listening to Joy during the day, which I know you can't anyway because you work, it's just a music-based program with lots of live music. Lots of people playing guitars. RMIT? From RMIT. Was it a music week or something? At no, Youth Awareness Day. Okay. Okay. Very excitement. Well... My week was uh, perhaps pointed by the fact that I don't have any superannuation anymore. Last week I had quite a lot, this week none. And that might be a question we can ask our police guests very soon. I think they might be all right, but I suspect you're much poorer for the week in finance, um, are you? Probably, but I noticed that the stock markets have all started to come up again. Oh, have uh, they? So some of the losses of last Friday have basically regained yesterday because of the intervention by all the central banks across the world. Are they all the back? It was, it, no, it was 20% or something last week. I mean, you're just down to millionaire now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> Not quite that good, but yes, I'm afraid to look at my balance. So you've got, and we can't afford to buy anything from overseas either, apparently, which is a bit unfortunate because... The dollar's not worth three shekels or, or anything. Anyway. It's not worth anything now. Like difficult life from a transgender perspective, especially for our, a lot of our retired trans people and our trans people who don't work. Mm. And there's a lot of trans people who don't work and, and there's you who's retired and wealthy. I wouldn't say wealthy, Lauren. No. <laughs> Nowhere no. near it. We'll move through to some music and we'll come back. If you have a question out there for Scott or Gabby from the... Glow Project, and we'll get them to explain what that means in a moment. Feel free to get on to us on 0427JOY949 or on air at joy.org.au. And I know we're a month late, but this is September on Transmission Time. Joy, 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 Joy 94.9. Transmission Time with Jane and Lauren. On a balmy Tuesday night, and isn't the weather nice when you have it's beautiful. daylight saving, isn't it? You can stay up and... Well, for the broadcast this morning, it was beautiful. You'd be dragging yourself out of bed these days at the crack of noon, wouldn't you, because of the change in times? <laughs> well, I try to, but t- today it was sort of like the crack of about six o'clock. By oh. the time I had to bring all the equipment in. Yeah. Yes, I, I just had a very ugly visual for a second then. <laughs> and we shan't move on that one. <laughs> Our guests this evening are Scott Davis and Gabby No Surname. I'm not sure why. Oh, you do have one. I do. Tayak. Very good. 
Well, there you go. Thanks for that. Thank you, Jane, from the GLOW project, the Victoria Police GLOW project. And I could tell everyone what that means, but then they'd just get sick of my voice. Do you want to have a go at it, Scott? I actually was going to let Gabby have a go at this one. Gabby's only been on the radio once before. It's sort of uh, part of her initiation process. Oh, is that right? Yes, to let her do a lot of the speaking, because everyone's heard my voice before as well. I think people get a bit sick of my voice. So let's let's hear from Gabby about what the GLOW program actually is. No pressure. <laughs> okay. Well, I am... You'll note that she's got some notes there in front of you. Thank her. you very much oh, for that. cheat notes. <laughs> I'm the um, Gay and Lesbian Liaison Officer full-time for Victoria Police. And um, my role consists of a number of things, but one of the main things that I do is liaise with GLBTI communities and involve myself in things like Midsummer Festival, Pride March, um, and even Bake Off, which was recently oh. held. Okay. When you say full-time, I mean, it's a stupid question. Full-time means that you're not out there uh, arresting bad people. That's that's correct. It's I was until around about six months ago. That was my, my job, a uh, normal uniform police officer. Mm-hmm. But now my full-time job is the um, GLOW. Oh, wow. Yeah. Without the uniform? Well, I, I wear uniform to some engagements and, and when required, but generally I can wear... Um, plain clothes. Oh, okay. But, okay. Um, can I continue with? You better my because role? I was about to, I was <laughs> I was about to bring you back on track. But yes. <laughs> um, and by the way, in in the Bake Off, um, I got third prize for my cake. Woo-hoo. Oh really? Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, still, so it still, was a lovely cake too. So we're still doing token presents for uh, for people to come in late. Okay. <laughs> uh, I also assisted. Did you eat it, Scott? It was bought by. I don't know. Somebody paid about one hundred and twenty dollars for Gabby's cake. One hundred and sixty-five. Oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. Very Not nice. to be too it precious. It was a nice looking it. cake. Mm. Yeah, mm. it was a good cake. I also assist victims of crime with issues such as prejudice, motivated crime, homophobia, vulnerable victims, same-sex domestic violence, and sexual assault, to name just a few. And a large part of my role is also educating police and the communities on the role of the police. Okay, so GLOW stands for? Gay and Lesbian Liaison Officer. Okay. It's unfortunate that with the name that it, it doesn't represent the whole communities that we deal with. So it is gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender and intersex communities. Oh, we know that you represent <laughs> us. I know. <laughs> it's yeah. just, I don't know, a bit alienating, the name in itself. Yes. But it's one of those difficult questions. What do you call yourself otherwise? Do you call yourself queer liaison officers and then... You know, the, the whole, some people like the word queer, some people don't like the word queer, so... Mm. There's been many debates over the years that for acronyms for the whole community yeah, and it keeps on getting longer and longer. That, sure that's does. exactly right. Yeah. So with the GLOW program, Scott, you might need to give us a background on that. This has been going for, it must be five or six years Oh, now, longer than that. Um, it started... It really came as a result of uh, the Equal Opportunity Commission and the rights lobby going to Victoria Police in about 98, 99, saying that there's a whole lot of issues that this community is facing. We're not being treated by police fairly. We're not uh, having our issues dealt with by police appropriately. And there is a large amount of violence still being perpetrated against our community. It's time that Victoria Police faced up to this and changed. So in 99, the Equal Opportunity Commission approached Victoria Police and the then Commissioner, Kel Glare, and a working group was set up. And by 2000, Melinda Edwards was in place and uh, became our first gay and lesbian liaison officer. There had been some attempts prior to that, and Jamie Gardner talks about um, quite a lot of stuff that was done in the mid-80s, and I think it was the the wrong people within Victoria Police were chosen to represent us, and um, it didn't 
didn't work too well. And then there was another attempt in the early 90s. And once again, it didn't work really well. And Tasty Nightclub um, happened not long after that as well. So it took until 2000 here in Victoria for us to get a successful program up and running. There is a similar program running in New South Wales. Where it, it was perhaps been going longer, I think, hasn't it? Every state in Australia has GLOW programs, oh, apart from Western Australia at the moment. And they've had a GLOW program and they've actually, for a whole lot of reasons, they've taken away all of their proactive programs. Mm. And a lot of that's about the fact that uh, the mining companies are taking people away and you get paid more to, to push a broom in a mining company than you do to police the streets of Perth. So there's been a lot of people leaving Western Australia Police and going across to work in mines. And they're struggling to get staff within policing over oh, there. Okay. But New South Wales, their program started in the 90s. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, they're, they're probably the, the foundation liaison program for the gay and lesbian community. What about the Australian Federal Police? They have a, a GLOW program as well. Their GLOW program is a little bit different to ours. Mm -hmm. Theirs f has more of an internal focus. So it's about dealing with police who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender and intersex mm -hmm. and ensuring that there's an equitable workplace. Right. There is a little bit of community liaison. Um, you'll certainly see them at Carnival Day and... Uh, we have a federal police member come to minus 18 with us on a regular basis. So you do see them out in the community a little bit, but not as prevalent as you would see the state-based police. Right. I think I've touched a couple of federal police members, but that's another story. Is the GLOBE program, is it about education? Is it about supporting victims? Or does it have a specific focus? How are you, how are you judged? How do we know if you get a promotion? How do we know you've done well? Well, I think the three things that I said before... Yeah. Um, Educating the police in dealing with the GLBTI communities is very important. And also educating the communities on police role, how to approach police, what police do in investigations, things like that. And but we will so talk about that in a few minutes' time, but yeah. And of course, getting Victoria Police through the glows into the communities to show the communities that we're approachable, that we're here, we can assist you, we're, we're not a homophobic Entity, no. Exactly. It's um, it's because th that was going to be one of my questions later. Is there a reason in this day and age? Let's just talk about trans people because I'm sitting staring at Jane, and you know it, it upsets me, but I have to <laughs> I have to do that. And, and I've been um, doing that too for a long time. Is there a reason in in this day and age for trans people to fear the police? I would hope afraid? not, and I say that fairly confidently. If we went back before GLOW started, yeah. and, and probably even five or six years ago, then I think that there would be... Th th there's a real understanding that people could be apprehensive in dealing with police. But I think we have moved so far forward and we're such, a, you know, an, an adult and mature organisation now that there has been a huge change in Victoria Police as a result of people like Christine Nixon's... Well, I was going to say, it's more it's a total culture change, hasn't it? It's, it seems to be less of a boys' club. I, I think that's a, that's a fair comment. One of the things that Christine has asked for is to try and get a greater representation of women in policing. Yeah. And so we've, we've had a benchmark, which I think was about 26%, which we were supposed to reach last year. We haven't quite got there, but we're certainly well and truly on our way to achieving that benchmark. Now, that's not to say that we're favouring women over men, uh, male applicants, because mm -hmm. we're certainly not doing that at all. But we're trying to ensure that there is a greater representation of women in policing. So that's changing. The fact that the average age of a recruit now is about 31, 32. It means that people are coming in with a much more mature attitude and they've had life experiences. So they've 
been out there and engaging with the diverse community in a lot of instances. Yeah. And that's really changing the way that they then interact with the community that they're dealing with. And it also influences that boys club sort of stuff because yeah. they're not being influenced. At, you know, a young person who comes in at 2021 20, is easily moulded yes. into that boys club mould. Yes. Whereas you've got someone coming in at 30, we're getting people in at 50, Ooh. and they've, they're very set in their values. Yeah. And they will say, look, that is completely wrong. I'm not going to police that way. This is what my values tell us. Mm. And we've also got our organisational values. And, and I regularly do, about once every couple of months, I'm involved in recruit selection panels. And when we do our interviews, the interviews are based on our organisational values, mm -hmm. which are about flexibility, leadership, integrity, professionalism and respect. And so we really hone in on that when we do our interviews to make sure that we're getting the right people into the organisation. So yes, we've, we've evolved and we're a very mature organisation now and I think if a trans person has an issue and they need to have the police contacted, in the vast majority of instances they should get a, a good response. Is there training, you were going to ask Jane about yeah. training, is there training for the whole of the police force? In, yeah. In, like, do, do you guys, and I use the word, we have real, we're very specific about um, pronouns on this show particularly, but if I can say, do, would you two go and... Do you train at the academy? Do, do, like, would, would every police... Sorry, it's about seven questions in a row. I'll, I'll stop any second now. Would every police person in Victoria have had some kind of sensitivity training? Yeah, and look, I think we do this in two different ways. I'm responsible for the stuff that happens at the academy, and Gabby is responsible for the things that happen in the police stations in her area, which are about 12 or 13 police stations. 17. 17 police stations. And so basically, Gabby, you'd go round each of those police stations and run a workshop or something? Yes, all our stations have training days twice a year where they get updated on policies and whatever's going on. Do and they all stop and go away? Because I'm just thinking about doing the Berg and... Who runs the police station? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. that'd be the day to be... What we normally do is play up, wouldn't it? If yeah. it's, say, Cheltenham Police Station, we'll then... Cheltenham will go to Sandringham Police Station and say, can you cover our area? Oh, bugger. And they'll send some staff over and then when Sandringham have their day, Cheltenham will send some staff over to okay. run Sandringham. So I do. I do go to all these police stations and I, I have been... Perhaps maybe every two weeks I go to a police station whenever their training days are on and I, I talk about what my role is. Yeah. I also talk about trans issues and explain what trans is, the search policies, all sorts of things like that. So the police are educated in, in trans issues. Okay, and obviously gay and lesbian issues yes. across the board. absolutely. And intersex issues? Yes. Difficult? Yeah. Always uh, a little bit more complex? Usually Scott deals with that more so when he goes to the academy. If anyone asks me a question... When I introduce myself, because I'm only new, most of the time I go to the police stations, I'm introducing myself, no one's met me before. Mm -hmm. So I always start with GLBTI, does everyone know what that is? And it's generally the intersex that people get stuck on, so I, oh, okay. I do have a little bit of a spiel on an, an explanation of what intersex is. Yeah. Do you find the understanding of, of what trans means is good? Pretty much so, yeah. More so than intersex, that's what gets yes. everyone. So <laughs> transgender is very easy that most people would understand now. Yeah, I think it's I think yeah. it's much more wider. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, in, in public. What training do you get? I guess you've got a. Do you get training? How do you get? How do you get to learn about all this stuff? Is it Scott? At at the moment. Yes. At this yeah. point, can I ask? Are you the boss of the glows? Is that? Yes and no. And, <laughs> and, and that's yeah. a very good answer. It's a good answer, <laughs> and it, it's a complex answer. Technically. I have a statewide responsibility for gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender and intersex communities within policing. 
I'm involved in policy and analysis and all of those sorts of things, but I don't have direct control over what the GLOWs do on a day-to-day -day basis at their police stations. That's the responsibility of local management. If somebody's not doing something right, I can speak to local management, but it doesn't necessarily I'm going to get my way. So that's why it's a yes and no. So it's more like a overseeing type view, it type is. job. Yeah, it, it, look, it's more about advisory to Victoria, the whole of Victoria Police mm -hmm. on GLBTI issues. And at a local level, that's done by the GLOWs down on the ground. Mm -hmm. And that, that's they've got a more operational policing context, where mine is more an overarching, mm -hmm. almost philosophical approach to it. Okay. Gabby, you introduced yourself as the full-time GLOW. Are they part-time GLOWs? There's, I think there's 25 across the state. Yeah. Is that the right number? And it's not part-time. It's, it's a portfolio that they hold. So they're operational police at a police station. Mm -hmm. We've got some detectives. We've just got some... Um, uniform police mm -hmm. and part of their role at that police station is to have the portfolio for gay and lesbian liaison and people do that in different ways some will do it quite actively some will be more i'll sit in the chair and i'll wait for someone to contact me and unfortunately we've got a couple that just sit in the chair and do nothing mm -hmm. so you know i'll be upfront about that but, but if a trans person went into a, a police station in mildura and for instance that wasn't a full-time position and had a genuine issue with discrimination or something there would be someone in the region not necessarily at that yep police station that could help her? Absolutely. If they weren't able to get onto the GLOW and they really wanted to speak to the local GLOW, then the advantage of having Gabby and myself as full-time in our roles is that people can contact us. And we do get a lot of contact from across the state. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for us to make contact with the GLOW at the local station in some instances than it is for them to be able to do that. Because some people don't want to leave their name and address just with the general duties mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. at the desk. Mm -hmm. That is saying that, that we basically want to cover probably a little bit further along. There are a lot of issues that trans people have. There are many that have basically dual names that yep. because they're only living in one mode part-time, mm -hmm. there's all the issues around dual name and detention and those. And, and we should probably have a bit of a break, give your voice a rest. <laughs> and I can uh, talk for days. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the show only goes for an hour. <laughs> we have some trans-specific issues we need to cover off in just a few moments. It's transmission time on Joy Melbourne with Jane and Lauren, and we're talking to Scott and Gabby from the Victoria Police GLOW program. Joy, 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 joy. 94.9. Transmission time with Jane and Lauren. Tonight we have with us Gabby and Scott from The Glows. And we're talking trans issues and how the police interact with us. One of the questions that has come up a couple of times on email groups that I've seen is, if you are arrested... Because that's how Jane gets her life experience. <laughs> <laughs> on the internet. Oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> You'll give all my secrets away, Lauren. <laughs> There's a, a lot of concerns about A, being outed, not being treated fairly, especially in small towns. And this is an issue that seems to come up. First of all, let's take a simple one. You're stopped, at, let's say, for roadworthy or breathalyzer or something like that. How can a trans person expect to be treated? I would expect, or I would hope, that the trans person would be treated exactly the same as anyone else would be mm. by that police person. And some police people are great and treat people really well, and some pe police people aren't so great with their communication skills, and it doesn't come across um, sometimes the best. That's, that's a community thing, though, isn't it? Some people have good comm skills, and some people Absolutely. just don't yeah, that's right. really relate yeah. too well, despite so, good intentions. Yeah, that's right. But... I recognise, and most police would recognise, that those of us that have poor comm skills, communication skills, if you're dealing with a trans person and you've got 
poor communication skills, that that trans person could be thinking, I'm being treated like this because I'm trans. Yeah. We do, and we do all the time. Yeah. We're very paranoid. Yeah. So, and, so, and we so do. I suppose but we'll hold it against you. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I suppose. Let's put it in a context that it's not necessarily the intention that the person's treating you that way because yeah. of who you are. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that we treat people badly in some instances. Okay. Now, the other thing that we would that we might face in this particular instance is we might have a person sitting there in one gender and their licence clearly says another, they're another yes. gender. That was my next question, actually. But, but would you always ask, like, you don't get asked for a, a licence at a breathalyser. It's just blowing this and on your way because it's all it's process, isn't it? That's Let's right. get through as many. So, yep. So for for the the breathalyzer, it's not going to be a, a great issue. It's no. blow. If it comes up negative, on your way. Yep. yep. Thank you very much. See you yep. later. Can I just ask before we go to contra indications of, of ID, when would you be entitled to ask for someone's license if you think they've done something wrong or just I'm just I just feel like seeing your license. Yep. Oh, you can. Yep. Oh, I if, thought you if had to. If you're in charge reason. of if you're in charge of a motor vehicle. Yeah. then we can ask to see your licence. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So we, we need to make sure that you are licensed to drive a car. Unlike some places in the United States, for instance, we don't need a reason to do that. We can simply say, we've pulled you over for a licence check. Mm. Oh, okay. okay. And if the licence doesn't re reflect the way the person is presenting? Yeah. And is that an issue? Uh, it's not an issue, but it's something that the police person is going to want to question. And unfortunately, we are suspicious. Mm -hmm. And What's your job, isn't it? It, it really? is our job. Yeah. So we would hopefully we would ask questions in a respectful way about why the licence says one particular thing and the person sitting here is presenting in another way. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that would be done in, in a respectful way. And as long as the person is able to get that out, and, and I can imagine that people sitting there quite scared at this particular point, yes. because I know when people deal with police at the best of times, it can be quite a confronting experience, but then having to explain gender identity can be quite a difficult thing. Mm. There's a lot of concern in, in some of the messages I've seen floating around over the years, that situation, but in small town situations mm. where everybody knows everybody else yeah. type, and the people are really paranoid that they're going to be outed. Yes. Now, I would assume that there are certain rules within Victoria Police that you aren't allowed to do those sort of things. It's not our responsibility to out people in those circumstances. It benefits no one from us doing that and it certainly would be a breach of privacy uh, regulation. So for, okay. for us to be able to do that would be quite a severe thing to do. If the person was to challenge us, say through the Equal Opportunity Commission, then um, it would be quite severe ramifications for the, the police member who did that. So hopefully they would be intelligent enough to just understand that this is something that they need to keep to themselves. I, I know in, in years ago, one of our very elderly stateswomen of the trans community did complain that she was outed. We're talking the 60s. Yep. Because she was out in Elizabeth Street shopping, was challenged by a police person, and in order to validate her identity, not that she was doing anything wrong, they called her home. Mm -hmm. And apparently she was identifying as a cross-dresser in those days, and she was her partner wasn't aware. So this person's borne a grudge for... A hundred years now. Yeah, and the, I can the, well the police and truly ruined my that. marriage. Yep. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know the same used to happen with police and beat users. That the police yeah. would ring the home and say, "Did you know your husband was at this toilet block? Yeah, uh, maybe you should question why he's at that toilet block." And, and Mrs. Michael has never forgiven him. Yeah, hopefully we're not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, we were talking about training before, and it's my responsibility to do the training at the academy. And when I do talk about trans issues, and we talk about search policies and things like that, one of the things I do mention is that it's not our responsibility to 
disclose a trans issue to even other police in the police mm -hmm. station. It's between the arresting people and that person that they've arrested. Mm -hmm. it does, it's not supposed to go any further than that. Yeah. So to what extent do you need to go? I understand there's some issue with validating an identity. If a trans person's being arrested, or if anyone's being arrested, you need to be sure, or the police need to be sure that their identity is that that they say they are. Yeah. When we look at the points of proof for a crime, yeah. every crime, the first point of proof is identity. Yeah. So we need to know who the person is. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't in part of your life be Fred and in the other part of your life be Frida. Mm -hmm. There are no issues there and there's no issues about having multiple names. It's just about how you use those multiple names and if you're doing it in a fraudulent way, then you are running the risk of committing a crime. But say, if we go back to the simple thing of driving a car, if you are genuine about it and you just say to the police person, this is my situation, mm -hmm. then hopefully it will be dealt with in a respectful and meaningful way. Okay, so if we take the same scenario, I've been pulled over for a breathalyser, it goes over 0.05 mm. or, or I've committed some other crime, which name are, are you going to use for a start? Yep. Yes, how are you going to arrest Jane? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully brutally <laughs> and with extreme case, violence. Yes. We can do that off air later on. Yeah. <laughs> and this isn't a simple answer to, to answer. Um, hopefully the way that we would do it is we would go, okay, we'll, we'll deal with the person that's in front of us and we'll have the discussion with them. How do you live the majority of your life mm -hmm. and what name do you go by for the majority of your life? So we will use that name that they are living by the vast majority of their life. Right. That's the way that we should do it. The driver's licence makes it a little bit difficult, especially when it's a traffic offence, mm -hmm. because we need to link it up to the licence and the registration of the car. Mm -hmm. So it's most likely that we would use the licence name. But if it's a criminal offence such as a burglary, mm -hmm. then you'd be charged under the name that you live most of your life by. And then what we would do in, in the background is we might link it up using aliases. So if you've got a previous criminal history under another name, then we will put in an alias form and say that Fred also presents as Frida mm -hmm. and so that they have the same what we call a master name index number. So that's the same number. Okay, yes. We're not having the same person recorded all over yeah, our system. system yes. We need to ensure that the integrity of the system. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've been arrested, <laughs> which Lord would be probably very pleased. <laughs> and pleased and, hope, and hopefully tasered <laughs> for <laughs> resisting arrest. No, not in Victoria at the moment. <laughs> all right. Let's go for shot. Um, okay. One of the issues that uh, concern uh, a lot of trans people is searching. Yep. And who's going to do it? And it's the only reason you get arrested, isn't it? Because you want that search. <laughs> Oh, that so goes against what I tell them when they're training. Because <laughs> the thing, when we talk about training at the, at the police academy, it's always like, but the guy's going to go out and dress up as a woman and get arrested so that I have to search them. And I, you just look at them going, seriously, do you really? believe that that's going to happen? Are you that sure of yourself? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> yeah. I hope that the training that you'd give them would explain the underlying issues yes. as to gender identity. That's right. And, and why people do it. That's right. Um, okay. I've been arrested. Who's going to search me? Let's go to Gabby. Okay, well, Victoria Police has a search policy. The way you identify or the, the sex you identify as or the gender, mm -hmm. that's the person that will search you. So if you okay. identify as a female mm -hmm. and you're presenting as a female and you say, I identify as a female, then a female will search you. As long as you're happy with that. Yes. If you mm -hmm. were to say, well, I prefer a male, you may have a male um, search you, but we always consult a, a sergeant in relation to that anyway. Right. 
with all transgender people who are in custody. Okay. But consultation with the person who's going to be searched is really important. Mm. So it's not just a, a simple black and white saying, person's presenting as female, so a female police officer, mm -hmm. officer will search. Mm -hmm. It's always about a discussion with the person who's going to be searched about mm -hmm. how they feel most comfortable. That indicates that there's been some very big changes in the attitude within the police force for that sort of thing to occur. Because we've always assumed the police is very authoritarian and this is the way it shall be. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of mellowing in there. It's part of that maturing and, you know, respecting the diversity that the community has out mm. there. Hopefully we're no longer that white Anglo-Saxon heterosexual male police officer mm. that we're starting to be reflective of the community that we serve. So, Gabby, you've arrested Jane and <laughs> not for the first time and this time <laughs> she's so rotten drunk, it's, it's an average typical Saturday night, she's so rotten drunk that you can't send her out again she's got to stay the night somewhere where are you gonna where are you gonna, I mean push her off a cliff I suppose but <laughs> no, you gotta, you you gotta put her into a holding cell well, we have where to, are you gonna stick her? We have to always ensure the safety of the person in custody so I would put Jane in it, police officer would put Jane in a separate cell right. to ensure her safety okay. and of course we still have drunk is still an offence in Victoria so you'd be in custody for four hours or until you're sobered up. So you wouldn't put her in with the West Coast Eagles? I don't think so. Hopefully mm, no one would good. do that. All right. Well, I shan't bother spiking your drinks again. <laughs> no, but that's good. It, in the bad old days, you, you could end up with sex offenders. Mm. We're much more a community-focused police force now, and that's over recent years. We're always looking to ensure the safety of ourselves and people in custody and the community. It's important to mention here that this is talking about in police custody. It's not talking about within the correctional system as well. No, no. And, no. And I believe so the I Department of Corrections is working on a policy yeah, yeah. For, for trans and intersex pas yep. uh, passengers. Passengers? <laughs> Clients? It can be a passenger. <laughs> Offenders? Can you hang around? We've still got a few other questions, and there's been an email as well I'd like to ask you about. Absolutely. If you can just... We're talking to, to Scott and Gabby on Transmission Time. Join 94.9. Joy, joy, joy. Joy, 94.9. Now, we're here talking to Scott and Gabby from the Victoria Police Glow Project. And we had a question, did we not, Precious? Well, I can't see it. Okay, then I'll read it. Can you ask about police checks for employment for trans people? Are we required to give previous names, etc.? And what detail does the employer get? Gabby sitting at the front with her hand up, looking like I'm going to answer <laughs> this one. Very confident, isn't she? <laughs> she got a big smile. I do know this answer. Okay. Well, for criminal history checks and employment checks, for dealing with young people and, and elderly people, previously certificates were issued in a person's previous name. But now, the certificates are issued with the name you, are, you were using now. So if you're a transgender person and right. you've changed your name, your current name will be on the certificate. So no, no identity changes are disclosed on the certificate. So all the employment gets is no criminal background, yes criminal background, or do they get... If, yeah, and if there is a criminal background in your previous name, say Jane, before she transitioned, if you found out about all of her criminal background... Um, <laughs> I keep it very secret. Would you... <laughs> Would that come across in a previous name? Or? The way the form works is that we ask you on the form for all the previous names that you've had. Okay. And it, this only applies to trans people. Yeah. Um, if you're a trans person and you've had a previous name and you have been convicted under that previous name, then there is a space on the form to tick it to say that you want the certificate to come out in your current name. Okay. And it will make a determination as to whether you are suitable for employment in that particular instance. So. Generally, if the offence is greater than 10 years old, mm -hmm. we don't issue a certificate. We say that there's nothing known. 
Okay. Or that there's nothing relevant. So is that what a police check is? A certificate only comes out if you've got a history? Only if you've got a history. You'll get one if you're required for one for work to say that um, you have no history. Yeah. Or that you'll get one that says that you have a history but it's not relevant. Yeah. Or you'll get one and say that they have a history and they're not suitable for employment in this particular instance. So in most instances it's about working with vulnerable groups. So as Gab was saying, young people, the elderly, those disabled groups, those sorts of things. Mm. And, and would you find it if we, if we didn't tell you the previous name? There there is a good chance that we could Bugger. could find it, <laughs> and of course, if you didn't disclose it, then forgot. Mm. There wasn't a, the, the form. I didn't. I it I didn't clearly read says, that. "Do you have any previous names?" Oh, names. <laughs> yes. Okay. And if you fail to disclose, then you're committing an offence for failing to disclose. Oh, so then you're convicted of that. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I take it that it doesn't cover things like uh, traffic offences and speeding and those sort of things? Or does In it? most instances, it wouldn't, no. That's, that's right. Unless it was really relevant to the position. If they Unless you were going for a truck driver and you got 47 yeah, it, previous yeah. convictions for drinking and driving, that's, Jane. That, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't drink and drive, Lauren. Not trucks, anyway. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Won't comment about that one. Can we throw up a, a, a specific one to you, a difficult one? Well, it's not difficult. It's not, nothing's difficult. Let's, let's ask Gabby. Uh, <laughs> say we have an issue in, let's pick a changing room, Kmart, because everyone's done toilets to death. We all know the issues with toilets. We might even come back to toilets. Say there's a trans person who's not living full-time, but obviously intends to transition and needs clothes. So she, because it rarely works against the boys, she goes into Kmart and wants to try on a skirt or a frock or something, wants to, presenting as female, wants to use the ladies' changing rooms. And the 14-year-old who is responsible for holding the garment checking things says, no, you can't come in here. You can't come into the ladies' changing rooms to try on a skirt. And naturally, the trans person's thinking, well, I'm just being discriminated against. Time to scream blue murder. The manager ends up calling the police. And unfortunately, one of you two get called in. <laughs> no, no How are you going to get around No that? unfortunates about it. Under the provisions of goods and services, under the Equal Opportunity Act, then the person is entitled. Uh, you can't discriminate it against a person's gender identity. And so they're entitled to present as a female and do things as a female. And if that means going into the female changing room, then that's what they do. But you can't force the manager to let that person in, can C you? Certainly can't, but they then run the risk of being taken to the Equal Opportunity Commission for failing to provide goods and services and not breaching the Equal Opportunity Act. Yeah. So that would be spelt out well and clearly to, that, to the manager of the store to say that if you go down this path, this person has the ability to call me, I'm a witness, to say that you failed to let them in and then the, the Commission can make a determination about mm. you know, what the result is. Would that work in Bensdale? Is it, is it, are, we, are we that confident that... Are, and I don't have any specific instance. It was just a, a, the, well, it was a theoretical from one of our friends who had an issue in Bridge Road down in, um, in Bensdale where yeah. things are a little bit redder around the neck, is would, would the local guys down there... Are we confident that the local police would respond the same way? No, yeah. because I, I think we can see from Gabby's answer tonight that she wasn't sure what the answer would be. Um, and most police wouldn't have a great understanding of the Equal Opportunity Act, whereas yeah. I've had the ability through... because I've been in this role for some time. Mm -hmm. So what, what I would hope is that the local police would deal with it then and there in the best way that they can mm -hmm. and then educate themselves about what the correct response is. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, hopefully that would be through my office. Yeah, hopefully contact one of us, Scott. Yeah. And I suppose either way, the trans person would have a witness to the fact that they'd been denied access to goods and services if they, when they finally understand the Equal Opportunity Act. Yes, that's right.
That's right. Okay, and we should at least touch on toilets because we should. It's a question that always <laughs> comes up with the trans girls mm. that uh, when they go to a, to a restaurant or to a nightclub, they have to use the female toilets, which is appropriate to the way they're dressed. Yes. But in some cases, they've been thrown out by the management. Mm. But, Not um, recently. I haven't heard of a case recently, I must admit. But yeah, it has. It has happened, yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I was thrown out years ago of a nightclub because we were using ladies and where do you want me to go? Anyway... What would the police do in that situation where they're called by the management? Yeah, look, and hopefully we'd be in a situation where we would deal with it in a mature way. My personal view is if the person is presenting as female and honestly living as a female, then they should be using the female toilets. And that's what the Equal Opportunity Act tells us. I also, from a sensibility point of view, to send a male to female trans into a male toilet is not necessarily a real safe thing to do. For trouble. Exactly right. So I would be having a conversation with the manager about understanding the needs of the person and that whole understanding about why a person is presenting as they are it's not about sexual deviancy it's a gender identity and that person genuinely believes that they are female and as such they will be treated as female let's go for it because mm. it's not against the law to be presenting in one gender and be in another toilet anyway the, the offense is a public nuisance or being a the, creating a disturbance the or worst something, you can, isn't it? The worst that could happen would be around offensive behaviour. Yeah. And that is more for the sexual deviant side of things. So the police person, when they do turn up, would need to ensure that it's not about sexual deviance, that it's a genuine issue. Mm -hmm. And bona they would fide. do that through yeah. question. Yeah, that yeah. would be a bona fide. And then they would deal with it, hopefully appropriately in that circumstance. Wonderful. We actually need to get out of here, Scott and Gap. Thank you ever so much for coming in. It's been wonderful. It was going to be a 10-minute chat, and <laughs> they just won't leave, so stay tuned for We're the Scott the and Gabby show. show. Yeah. I don't think we end up getting through all the questions anyway. No, um, right. We'll come back again. The boys, at Chris and, and Jay, are on next with foreplay, which is always worth hanging around for. Not that it ever lasts very long, but just a quick one. Is there a career path in being a glow? I got promoted doing this role. I was, I was in Gabby's job and then I was promoted from senior constable to sergeant. And I see it as a really big advantage for me in writing my resumes in all of the things that I do in this role. I think that there's opportunity for promotion. Well, it's Absolutely. certainly a huge advantage for the community to have you two and the other 22 like you around. In Thank the you. Thank so you. we look forward to seeing you hanging around at midsummer at the carnival. We and will be there. We've the got big activities. plans for this year. Ooh. We sure do. Wonderful. Very well, good. thanks for coming in. We need to get out of here. Stay tuned for foreplay, and we'll be back next Tuesday at 8 with more of a life from a transgender perspective. We'll update all the news and issues and everything else that we've missed out on this week. Jane? We certainly will. No comedy track. It's been a good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I had one you'd probably like. Oh, what a shame. I Thank thought you. you were the comedy track, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll s you won't be coming back. And thanks, and we'll see you next week. Good night. This has been another Joy 94.9 podcast. Joy 94.9 is a gay and lesbian volunteer-based community radio station committed to providing a voice for the diverse GLBTI communities. You can support our work by becoming a member or making a donation. For details, go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.